The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing where we're working this week as every week to be your public radio authority for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Um, I had a funny thing happen to me last week. Not funny, ha ha. Uh, my computer just like... You know, the the power cord sort of flashing, and then um, the little transformer thing got super duper hot, and then I had to unplug my computer, and when I did, it went off, and it never came back on again. So, so sad. So, why am I telling you this? Because... All of the questions that you guys have asked me over the past few months uh, for the question and answer week that I've been saving up in my little inbox went south with the uh, poor computer. And that means that although today is a question and answer week, I don't actually have a bunch of uh, previously asked questions sitting around that as, as I normally do in, in the in these opening minutes of the show where I can say I got a question last week from so and so uh, so the 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 moral of the story is unless you either call in some questions at 877-772-9658 or email them in to askvina at gmail.com you're going to hear 55 minutes of this It was more awkward when it was just complete silence. <laughs> but that was that was that was quick. Do you just have the cricket sound effect just sitting there in front of you all the time? That that was you should. Have, I mean, uh, Mike looked like the Flash over here. He realized I was going to go silent, and he's like, crickets. That was awesome. And although that is a nice calming sound, and maybe you want to drive home listening to that. It would be much better if you could hear the sound of me answering real estate questions at 877-772-9658 or alternatively at askvina at gmail.com. I have one question and a couple of announcements I can make, and then it's crickets, unless you call 877-772-9658 or send your question to askvina at gmail.com. Since we won't be having a live program next week, it being the 4th of July, I just wanted to let everybody know what's happening next week in the local and regional work uh, world of real estate investing. On the 3rd of 
uh, July, the Central Ohio Real Estate Entrepreneurs is meeting in Columbus, Ohio with probably its its best speaker of the year. I know it's the 3rd of July. People are like getting a start on their holiday. There's a big fireworks display up there on the 3rd of July. But if you're in the region, you need to skip all that and uh, celebrate financial independence by coming to see Bill Cook, the guest at last week's uh, the guest on last week's show who's going to be talking about how to make impossible deals into profitable deals. He's coming back on the 7th to do a door knocking all day class where he's going to take folks out and actually, you know, knock on people's doors with them. You can find out more about those and download a guest pass for the July 3rd meeting at centralohioria.com. Cincinnati's RIA's meeting on the 5th of July is our annual networking picnic since, you know, who you know is just as important as what you know in the real estate investing business. Uh, It's a good chance to meet fellow investors from all over the area and uh, get some free food and just, you know, no agenda, just uh, 630 to 830, going to have picnic food, I assume, and hang out and meet people. And there'll even be a contest if you're, if you're an introvert like me, and you don't naturally just walk up to people and say, hey, have you ever bought any rental properties? We're going to be having a networking contest that lets you, that lets you um, ask those questions without any embarrassment because you got to meet one person in each of 15 categories. And when you do that, you turn in your card and you'll be entered into a drawing for prizes ranging from a free real membership to a free creative finance course to just all kinds of fun stuff. So. That picnic is, again, next Thursday, July the 5th, CincinnatiRia.com. Please RSVP for that so that we know how much food to order. And we look forward to seeing you there. It's question and answer week on Real Life Real Estate Investing, 877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where it's question and answer week. It seems like it's been a little while since we did this because I think in May, Q&A week maybe fell on Memorial Day or something. And not not that Wednesday is Memorial Day, but, you know, I was probably still recovering from my Memorial Day trip or something. Uh, so you guys got out of the habit of just sending questions to askmina at gmail.com throughout the month so that I can answer them during the show. And uh, so I need some questions. 877-772-9658. I do have a a question here from Michael, uh, who says, I have talked to the niece of the owner of a vacant home. Her uncle has died. She's not sure who the owner would be now. She gave me his son's number who's out of state. He wants nothing to do with it, it's two to three months behind in the mortgage. She checks the mail the mail and checks inside, and I don't know how to move forward. So uh, what you have here, Michael, is an unprobated estate. The dead uncle still owns the house. It is not, it, unless there's some other brother or sister or something who's bothered to, or the uncle was married or something, who has bothered to open an estate on the property, uh, it is just going to sit there like it is until that bank forecloses on the property. And we see these quite a bit in estates where either the uh, the debts against the estate exceed the assets. 
So for instance, if if this house is the only thing that was in the estate, there's no there's no cash, there's no antiques that somebody hasn't already taken, there's no stocks, there's nothing else that would need to be transferred. And the mortgage on this house is also a large percentage of the value of the house. So, you know, he owes he owes ninety five and it's a hundred thousand dollar house. A lot of times the heirs don't bother to spend the money to open an estate because there's nothing for them to get. Sometimes they don't bother to open an estate because uh, there are three of them and they can't stand each other and they don't want to have anything to do with each other. And they would rather just see the assets, you know, rot and be taken away by creditors than deal with each other. Sometimes the uh, heirs are estranged from the deceased person and they don't they don't know if there's a will or if they're in it. So there's there's a variety of reasons that this would happen. But we, we literally see this dozens of times a year. You contacted the right person with the son, because if the uncle did not have a will, which would be my guess here, uh, his uh, spouse and his children would be the ones who would inherit his stuff just by normal operation of the law. If that son is the only son and he's stonewalling you, you have a problem because you cannot get to the property without him opening an estate and then having it probated and then agreeing to sell it to you. If there is a will hiding someplace and for instance, maybe the niece is the heir instead of the son, that would make things easier for you. But I think you would have told me that if that were the case. So I would make one more run at the son and I would say, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to see if I can give you some money for this since you would be his heir. Do you have any brothers and sisters or are you the only one? Was your father married when he passed away, because if none of those things are true, it would all go to you. And we've got to figure out what all is, is here. Are there other debts? And that means opening an estate. And, you know, if you want to sign an agreement to sell me this house, once the estate's open, I might even, you know, pay some money to help do that. And of course, you'd only do that if you were certain that there was equity here. And if he doesn't still doesn't want to have anything to do with it, sadly, I guess you're going, I guess you're going to go to the sheriff's sale and bid when the, when the bank takes the property, because that's what will ultimately happen to uh, the property. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that sometimes people, people don't, don't do what's in even their best interest, much less your best interest as a real estate investor, but sometimes that's just what happens. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week, and I'm taking your questions. Um, no, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't go so far as say as I'm, that I'm begging for your questions, but given that I've lost my inbox full of questions along with uh, all the other data on my computer, um, uh, Begging might not be that far from the truth. You can send them to askvina at gmail.com or you can call them in at 877-772-9658. A question here from I do not know who. I've got no, uh, no name at the bottom of this question. Uh, it says, I'm considering purchasing a short-term bus billboard advertising opportunity say that 10 times real fast, for $1,000. I can only afford one billboard to market for sellers for that amount. Should I do this? And if so, what should my message or design be? Wow. So when I see 
one bus bench for $1,000. My mind doesn't go to what should it say. My mind goes to what else could I do with that $1,000 that would be a lot more likely to be seen by more people or more qualified people, more motivated people than that bus bench would because what you're talking about what you're talking about is you know a very a very small billboard that's like below people's eye line yeah when they're sitting in their when they're sitting in their car looking at the traffic light there you know they've got really got to look over to the side and look down to see the bus bench and um huh, I wonder if this worked better in England where they're sitting on the other sides of their cars at the traffic light anyway I'm thinking for a thousand bucks, I could mail out 2000 postcards to people that I already thought had a reason to be motivated to sell. I mean, depending on where this bus bench is, you might not get 2000 sets of eyes on it during the whole, what, month that you're going to have it. And even if you got 20,000 sets of eyes on it, if you have 20,000 people pass that bus stop and all saw it, the number of, in, in my very probably scientifically inaccurate, but often done calculation, the number of those people who are likely to be both thinking of selling and motivated to sell is like a half of 1%. So it's not going to be a ton of motivated sellers who see it compared to doing mail or even doing a website, like putting up a website and doing some Google ads could, could, could put you in front of people who are actually searching for terms like how do I sell my house? So, I would say, um, if you're asking me, should you spend the money, should you spend $1,000 on a single bus bench, I'm going to say that there's almost anything is probably a better use of your money. Uh, I'm not recommending, of course, that you use uh, something like a... Uh, a uh, bandit sign because as you know they're illegal everywhere but how many bandit signs could you buy for a thousand bucks like 500 you get a bandit signs on every major corner in your city almost for the same amount of money you're listening to real life real estate investing i'm your host vina jones cox it's question and answer week this week on real life real estate as it usually is on the last wednesday of the month uh so any question you have whether it's about deal finding management um, getting money, a deal you're working on, anything you want to talk about, you can call in at 877-772-9658 or you can email it to askvina at gmail.com. Uh, Lisa from Nashville says, how do you figure out the rough expenditure figures for condos with maintenance fees? Do you still use 40% like single family homes? For example, a condo with a maintenance fee of 200 how much would you add to calculate your experience your expenses for the month or the year all right so let me let me try and parse out what you're saying here lisa you're looking to buy a condo the condo already has some sort of maintenance fee attached with the HOA so they're they're taking care of the the lawn and usually they take care of everything on the exterior um often depending on how how it's set up they're taking care of everything that is not directly between the four walls and the floor and ceiling of your condo. So anything along the lines of plumbing, wiring, uh, if it's got, if the 
building has a single furnace or boiler that would be included in that maintenance fee all the you know deck work things like that are often included you should find that out for sure so you're saying there's already one of those so how much do we calculate for in a rental property taking care of what is between the four walls and by the way the number for single family homes is not 40% it's 20% 20% of the gross rent covers the ongoing maintenance so tenant calls and says my kitchen cabinet door fell off or a hole appeared in my drywall overnight when I was asleep and I need it fixed or the um my my favorite my favorite ever tenant story was um we had a tenant that called and said that the the door between her bedroom and her um living room came off the hinges and one of the screws that holds the hinges in flew out and hit her kid on the head and he had a scratch on his head and we needed to come fix this immediately and we could not figure out how a door fell off its hinges because this wasn't this wasn't like one of those like hollow core doors. This was a 150-year-old building that had big, heavy six-panel doors. And I went over there. This was this was back in the days when I was doing a lot of my own management. And I'm I'm sitting there talking to the lady about what the what you know how how did this happen? How did it just fall off? And I look up and her little boy has climbed up on another door and he's got one foot on each handle of the door. So he's got he's got his legs like wrapped around the end of the door and he's pushing himself off the wall. And then when when the door hits the when he hits the door frame, it bounces back and he thinks like this is the greatest thing in the world. And suddenly I realize how the door has fallen off the hinges and and the hinge screw has hit her kid in the head because he's using it as a toy. So that sort of thing. Uh, all of that stuff, that maintenance, and then vacancy, and then reserve funds for what would in a single family house include roof gutters, furnace, all, all the big items that are slow to wear out but do wear out. That's 20%. Condos are a lot less because... The condo association takes t- typically takes care of so much of that last category of the long-term reserve category. Um, you need to double check this because it is different with every association. But if you've got something like a high-rise condo with all, that's more like kind of like an apartment building, except that they're individually owned, it is almost a sure thing that they deal with the roof, the windows, the um, gutters, the electric, the Pipes, all that stuff is probably them. And what you have to worry about is replacing the kitchen and the bath every 20 or 25 years, right? So typically I use a 15% factor instead of a 20% factor when I'm figuring out that same number with a condo. But again, you need to go back to them and say, what does this $200 exactly, what does this $200 maintenance fee cover and what does it not cover? Because the number may be even lower for you in this particular building. The next question uh, Lisa had was, what is the name of the woman that just does condos? I couldn't find her on your, on your site. She, the site she's talking about is realliferealestate.com. If you go there, you will find hundreds of archived shows going back a number of years. 
The lady's name that you are looking for, Lisa, is Linda. It is Linda Baumgartner. Linda Baumgartner. She was on the show, I don't know, early this year, I guess. Maybe late last year. And she is from Connecticut. And I am trying very hard to get her to be at the 2018 uh, OREA National Real Estate Summit and come give a talk on this because she's got a really unique approach. And as you say, she doesn't she doesn't only do condos, but she has done a lot of them and she knows much, much more about them than most people would know. So uh, Linda Baumgartner is the name you are searching for when you go to realliferealestate.com. Very good. Thank you for your question, Lisa. If you have a question, please send it to askvina, that's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A at gmail.com or alternatively, give me a call at 877-772-9658. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Davina Jones-Cox. It's the last Wednesday of the month, which makes it question and answer week. And that means anything you want to know, uh, I, will, I, will at least, I will at least try to talk about it. We're going to go to the phones now and talk to Thomas, who's calling on line one from what appears to be California. Thomas, welcome to Real Life yes. Real Estate. Hi, Thomas. Hi. What can I do for you today? So uh, I'm driving for dollars right now. And I came across the property in, I would say, a type one neighborhood, war zone type of neighborhood. It's owned by the city. It's a multifamily. How would you approach, uh, you know, or would you approach that, you know, buying that property? Well, I'll tell you, whenever I see, whenever I see a situation like that, and it's funny that you said that because uh, I was doing some research today on three properties that adjoin a property I'm buying and they're vacant and they look horrible. And I thought, ah. I thought, ooh, if I could get those two, right. then I could rehab all four of them and then we'd have something going here, right? So I look it up and who owns it? The city, right? So, <laughs> so this, is, this is what I did and this is what you should do. Pick up the phone, call the city, keep calling until somebody knows what you're talking about because even if you get, <laughs> quote, the right department... You know, sometimes sometimes they'll say, "Oh, well, you know, we're we're holding on to that right now, or we're not we're not uh, sure what you're talking about." And you're like, "How can you not know what I'm talking about? Your name is on the deed. Keep right. keep calling until you find the person who's actually in charge, and then just say, "What's going on? Am I can I make a bid on this? Is there you know what what, what would have to happen for for me to acquire this?" Now they may say. Actually, the reason we own it is because we need to tear it down because, you know, we've, we've, had, we've had a number of issues here in the Midwest where um, our sewers are so old that they are problematic in the rain. The, uh, the sanitary ah. sewers and the storm sewers uh, just flood into each other, which means everything just goes like down to the Ohio River. Yeah, it's gross, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be, uh, you know, circumspect about that, but that's what happens. So uh, the city over the years has had to buy, or really it's been the county has had to buy a number of properties that were in the path of this because they just, they couldn't, it's their job to keep the sewage out of your basement in, at least in the sense of the sewers work. And when they can't do that, sometimes they have to buy the property and tear it down. And I've had that happen to me once. So you, you may find out 
that it, it's not a situation where they just got possession because because it was a problematic property and they need to get rid of it. Sometimes you find out that they, they actually have some use for it, but at least you know, right? And also, right. while when you find the right person, tell them, listen, I'm really trying hard to find something to buy here in the city, and I don't care how much work it needs. Like, like the stuff that you guys think needs to be tear, torn down, I might be able to actually do something with. So, you know, can can you put me on a list? Can I call you back every once in a while? Because that's a good connection to have if your city's aggressively okay. picking up properties. Yeah, and if there's squatters currently at the place. I just drove by it now, and there's uh, several cars out in front of it, and clearly people are kind of inhabited it, you know, um, looks like... Uh, Unasked or illegally, I, you know, I, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't ask, I didn't Neato. ask them. I, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump out and ask them. But uh, it says it's owned by the city, and I'm pretty sure it, it, it's boarded up and stuff like that. So yeah, it, you know, yeah. Like, so this isn't, this isn't yeah. a situation where the city is providing housing. This is, well, I mean, they are, they just don't know no. it. You're right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Totally. Just just call them, Thomas. I mean, it's something like that. It's not like they're hard to track down. It's you're not going to skip trace them. Just just call them up and say what's up. <laughs> Okay. Got it. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much for your call, Thomas. Let's go to line two. Dale calling from Texas. Yes. Hey, Dale. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you, Vina. So I'm kind of like behind the eight ball, whatever, on a couple of different things, but probably one of the things I would like to ask you, which I'm sure some of your students have, is that I've got this J-O-B, mm-hmm. and it, it it's pretty daunting. I'm working nine and a half, ten hour days, so... How does one transition out of that based on your experience? What do you do, Dale? Uh, I'm a fleet coordinator. I'm a, one of three people in charge of 3,000 vehicles nationwide. I've replaced them through repairs and so on. Okay. What happens if you go to your boss and you say, this is crazy. I cannot work nine to 10 hours a day. I need to, I need to be working, you know, seven to eight hours a day like a normal person. Yeah. I've I've done that actually several times, and his answer is, "Well, just do what you can." So, well, okay, well then, just do what you can. <laughs> I get the I get the feel I get the feel that you don't think he's super serious about that statement. That what he really means is do what I tell you to do. Well, it, it's it's like uh, being at a food kitchen. You know, you can sit there and say we can only serve twenty people, but you've got fifty or hundred around the, the doors. Mm-hmm. So. But I, I guess what I'm looking for, and I think you've got it in your books, and I need to dig deeper into your books, is that you're, you start transitioning into a staff, and I think I may need to transition into having, you know, people working for me while I'm doing this, and then at night follow back up with them to, you, you, you know, how they did. You are not incorrect, Dale, but my my experience, see, I, I belong to a couple of mastermind groups, and, and you should get into one. I know you're like, oh, I don't even have time to do my job. but Actually, you, I'm in one. Okay, so have you brought this up with them? Because what I find when I go to mastermind groups mm-hmm. is that stuff that has been driving me nuts for three months since the last time I, I sat with these folks, right? I say it out loud, and they all look at me like I'm stupid and say, obviously, the answer is you do X. And I say, but I can't wait. Why can't I do X? Is why couldn't I figure that out myself? I've got a you know I'm, I'm smart. Why couldn't I figure that out myself? And it's it's about having uh, people who are not you 
give you some mm-hmm. perspective on whether whether you're doing something just out of habit that doesn't you don't really need to be doing or doesn't really need to be done. So the 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 first the first thing I heard when you say I work ten hours a day was it, that is a hard work schedule. It is, and it is hard. I was just talking to one of my mentoring students about this literally before I came in here. Hi, Donnell. Uh, I said, he, he he was saying, he was saying, you know, I know what I need to do. I know how to do it mostly. The problem is I find, I find it hard sometimes to get myself to do it. Right. And the problem is not that he's not motivated. He's very motivated. Problem is that he's not, it's not that he's not smart. He's very smart. The problem is he, uh, he works a nine hour day and then mm-hmm. he has to, then he has to come home and make himself do something else and and after you've done that all day long and dealt with all the problems and your willpower has been sapped sounds like a carbon copy of me yes so so you know question number 1 would be would there be a way to cut down to 4 days a week would there be a way to you know do something where you have a little bit more it's not just about the free time it's about do i have free time where i have not already worked 10 hours that day because that's part of the problem second answer is exactly is exactly what you said given the given the um proliferation of virtual assistant platforms in the Uh world and given that the u.s dollar we can complain all day long about inflation and whatnot but the u.s dollar is still highly prized in a lot of the world and somebody in in some parts of the world who's making three dollars an hour is literally middle class. Like that's that's enough to get them a house, a car. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that we used to have to do ourselves because you just you you couldn't you couldn't hire somebody full time, and even if you could, you couldn't afford it at what you know however many zillions of dollars an hour can be done virtually by somebody who lives in Russia or India or the Philippines and done well. You know, it's not it's not like it's not like this is is this is second rate work. Things like uh creating lists for you out of the out of the public record. Um now you're you're in Texas which is a non-disclosure state which is uh makes things a little rougher in that in that arena but there's still things uh, that these folks could find like foreclosures or public record, right? Evictions right. or public record. They could be creating those lists for you, sending them to your printer. The printer could go ahead and send out the piece of mail you told them to send. Somebody different probably could be taking the incoming calls, interviewing your sellers. And then when you get home, what you have in front of you mm-hmm. is here's the filled out, here's the filled out seller interview form. Here's the comps because I had a system for running comps. Right. Here's the, they've already called the building department to find out if there's any orders on it. I've got everything I need to make a decision about whether this person needs to be called up right away or not. So now instead of lo- looking at this huge pile of work, you're looking at the results of somebody else's huge pile of work. Is this being recorded? Yes. <laughs> that's excellent because that sounds like phase one of, of stuff that I need to do. And it's like, I've, and you're right. You you've nailed it. Like everything on on the head. It's like yeah, I get the end of the the job, and all I want to do is eat and fall asleep. Mm-hmm. But the cut back in the hours I like, and then I think I like the other part too is setting up 
the stage one of transition from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the other thing that I will just I will just you know try and encourage you with is most people who become full time real estate investors, whether that's wholesalers, landlords, whatever. They do start out with several years of working, working it around other stuff where, you know, they, they, they can get in an hour a day during the week and they can get in four or five hours on the weekend and that's it. And it's, it's kind of frustrating because the way we want things to be is we want to be able to just, we want to just be able to have like two weeks in a row where we get all this stuff set up and do nothing but focus on our business and when we only have like an hour, it, it seems like, oh, what am I going to get done in an hour? Well, if on Sunday you plan out the most important stuff that needs to be accomplished in a week, you can get an hour mm-hmm. further into that stuff. It's when you don't plan that it's a problem. Right. It's when it's when you just you kind of get to that hour and you're like, I don't know what to do because I, there's a million things I could be doing, but I haven't really written down what the one thing is that's going to get me a deal this week. So right. you don't really quite know how to focus. If you if you know if you know what the thing is, it's a lot easier to fit it in. Right. Well, your your books have been very helpful, and we're actually going to uh, Ohio to meet for your uh, bus tours and what have you too, as well. So when we were on the call yesterday, as well. Ah, good. So it, it, it's 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 tri- it's triggering my my thinking, and, and you're, you're right. I I've got you know a lot of the step places. I used to do real estate part-time about 15 years ago when I was transitioning from a clerical position to an executive or executive position in the company. And I've got a rental property that's been successful for six years. So we've done, you know, a transition from my home to a rental property. So I've got some of the basics. I just good. need to take it and multiply it. Good, good. Yeah, and you're facing the same thing that a lot of people face. But you, you've heard that old saw, and it's so true that if you will do now what other people won't, later you can do what other people can't. Right. And I guess I just need to get past that. I've got this strange, strange bugaboo, or you know, thing where it's like I, I'm, I can figure out how to do a listed property. You know, that's foreclosure. You know, it's like I know how to do that one, but it's just it's like doing the the first one that's from a whole you know it's like that's either from a wholesaler or from a foreclosure pre-foreclosure that's where i'm still kind of like nervous and it's like okay am i really doing this right am i really going down to size because i can i really pick in everybody's closet while the person's still standing over my shoulders like uh yeah well that's what that's what professionals like home inspectors are for they don't they don't mind looking through people's closets well (laughs) <laughs> while they're while they're looking over their shoulders but yeah you'll you'll you'll, you'll get through it i mean once you've done a, a non-listed deal once you'll be like oh that that's not that hard in fact it's easier so right just gotta just gotta get you through that first deal that's what it is okay okay cool thank you for thank your you. call dale uh gonna go to line three larry calling from dayton larry welcome to real life real estate hey Bina, how you doing i'm good how are you great great Hey, my question is uh, dealing with, uh, I am a um, wholesale student right now, mm-hmm. learning learn how to do wholesaling. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm wondering if I need to go through the complete program before I try to do my first deal, or is there a situation or a 
a, a time where a student may do a deal before they get through the school. That's the goal is for the student to do the deal before they get through the school. It's it's the the um, okay. So first of all, uh, Larry, are you in Inner Circle? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay, I need you to go to uh, wmkvfm.org. Mm-hmm. I need you to pledge five dollars. There's so, somewhere in there. Okay. There's this thing that says pledge five dollars and get in the inner circle. Five dollars will get you in for the first month. Uh huh. Okay, and at that point, you have access to me twenty four seven through a website. Uh-huh. Where, where if you if you get a deal under contract and you get all scared, which is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You can you can put the details up and we can sort of talk it through online, okay? Or if you're if you if you if you a deal comes up on you, and you have you're like oh I think this is a really good deal but I'm not 100 percent sure you can you can put up the comps you know you can you can let me know what's going on there, and I can help you kind of think through it, okay? Okay, okay. Because uh, the key here here's here's the, one of the things that I've learned over the years. It took, it took me a long time to learn this because I'm one of those people that's like, I want to figure it out myself. Don't help me with the puzzle, Mom. <laughs> I want to figure it out for myself. I discovered that I don't have to know everything. I just have to know people who know everything. Okay. And I have to have access to those people, right? I can, I, like, I jumped into a middle, the middle of a deal the other day a ki- of a kind I've never done. It's kind of a different area, a different arena than real estate. And I was like, this looks good. And I know people who've done this deal. So I'm going to go ahead and go forward. And then if we get to the point where it looks like it's going to happen, then I'm going to call some of these other people that's actually done these kind of deals before and ask them, am I doing it right? Right. So I would say, you know, you're you're driving for dollars, right? You mean, do I have my 50 houses? Yes. I have 28. Okay. Well, you're going to hang up the phone with me and you're going to go find another 22. Okay. You're in Dayton. That shouldn't be that hard. Mm-hmm. You should be able to find 22 more houses tonight. Okay. And and then you can then you got to remember you have to go through the process of figuring out who the owners are by going to the Montgomery County website and then what uh-huh. the owners addresses are and then your assignment next week is going to be to start mailing those owners and seeing if they'll call you. Okay. And at that point, that's where it gets scary because you're going to have to like make some offers and whatnot. Uh-huh. And you, do you belong to Dayton Rhea? I do. Okay. So you also have that to fall back on because they, they meet every two weeks. There's tons of buyers there. Uh-huh. Okay. So mm-hmm. you've got, you've got, what I'm telling you is you don't feel like you've got the pieces in place, but you have a lot of the pieces in place already. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So no, you don't have mm-hmm. to worry about like, do I go through the whole thing before I can even, before I'm allowed to make a deal? I think it'd be awesome if you got a check in you know, the next month, don't you? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay, you sound excited about that. So now just, you know, go do the stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. Yes, thank you very much. All right, uh, let's go to line four. Let's go to line four and talk to Erlene in Connecticut. Erlene, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina, how are you? I am good, how are you? I'm fine. So I'm on the eight-week course as well, and... um I, I noticed when you were talking last night, you mentioned something about you collect your payment and then you shepherd the deal to closing. Mm-hmm. What activities do you have to do to shepherd the deal? Okay. After you've collected your 
feet. So, so um, you understand, and just so all the listeners know, uh, a, a few weeks ago on Fund Drive, we were talking about this thing called Wholesale School, and a couple of people took us up on it, and that's why these people are all calling and going, I'm in the school. It's because they took us up on Wholesale School, and if you didn't, I'm sorry, but Erlene mm-hmm. did. So, uh, when, once you ha- let's let's think this through. Your product as a wholesaler is you have a contract, right? You have a contract. Yeah, I'm a real estate agent, so I kind of I know what you're talking about, but I know what, what we have to do right. as agents in order to shepherd the deals. So it's is it not the same activity. Not quite the same. <laughs> not quite the same. Okay. So so um, you got this contract. You have assigned the contract. Which means you were really not in the deal anymore. You were you were right. ne- you were never in it as an agent because you never said I'm representing either the seller or the buyer. You were in it as the buyer, but now you've assigned that right, so somebody else is the buyer. So after that happens, in theory, y- you you have nothing to do. But let's let's talk about in practicality, because mm-hmm. you know theory is one thing. In practicality. You are the one who ordered the title search in the first place, right? Because mm-hmm. that happened that happened re- real early on. And so that's the title company that you really want to close. So that there's no delays by your buyer now saying, well, I want to go to this different title company or a different title search and see if there's a different result. So, so Okay, so wait, you just lost me. So I thought when we get ready, when we were doing our due diligence in terms of the title, I thought we're just checking to make sure that there's no liens. Because ultimately, where I live at, the, the attorney has the responsibility of making sure the title is clear. Correct. Correct. But since you already started that process, pretty much uh-huh. as soon as you got the property under contract, you started that process, right? You you really want to just kind of make it known to your buyer and your seller, this is where we're closing. We're closing over here at this title company because they've already got the title search. They're going to go do the closing as well. What I do is I just go ahead and set up the closing. I call my seller. I say, good news, we're ready to close. How does Friday at 11 work for you? The buyer says that works great. So I call the seller and I say, the buyer can be there Friday at 11. Does that work for you? And the seller says, actually, no, because I... Uh, work and I say, well, can you stop by after work? And I just, I just kind of make sure it happens. Now, as an agent, you do all kinds of stuff. You order inspections. You're working with the lender. Right. You're doing all that stuff. No, not in this case. In this case, so I'm still acting as a liaison between the two. Between, yeah, between your buyer and your seller, because remember, they probably haven't talked to each other up to this point. And right. I, see, and you see, now I was assuming that the that the new the person who has who I signed the contract to would reach out to the to the seller and 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 align all of that up, but I guess not. So I'm still very much involved in the process. In theory, in theory, they could, but I just want to make you know, for me, I just want to make sure that everything is. I, I don't want anything to blow up after I've gotten my money. Right, I just I just right. want it to be okay. all very smooth from then on out, and it's it's like three phone calls. You know, it's call the buyer, call the seller, okay. call the title company. Okay. And the other gotcha. the, the other thing that I the other thing that I will typically do, Erlene, is I will ask the title company to send me a copy of the HUD one because mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes they'll they, they mess it up because remember the first contract they got had my name on it. So sometimes when right. they prepare the HUD one it's got my name on it, it's the wrong name. So I just kinda look it over and say, Hey, this is incorrect. You know, the tax probation's on mm-hmm. the wrong side, whatever. But that's not that's not me. You know, I'm not trying to represent the buyer or the seller. I'm just trying to make sure that the thing says what the contract said it was supposed to say. 
Right, right, okay. And then payment, as far as payment goes, do they do? Have you ever had anyone who said, you know what, I want the payment to go into escrow? That they've never felt comfortable enough giving you payment before the deal has closed. I have had that happen, and that's okay the first time. Uh-huh. Uh, once, once it, once a deal has successfully closed, you know, next time we're going to do this my way. And when they put it in escrow, we have a very strong escrow agreement that's, and you'll, you'll get a copy of that. Don't worry about that. Um, we have a very okay. strong escrow agreement that says, uh, Hey, Mr. Lawyer, you're holding on to this money. And the way that you are supposed to distribute it is, uh, you're supposed to give it to me on the day that the deal is supposed to close or the day that it does close, whichever one comes first. And the only way Mm -hmm. you're supposed to give it back to this buyer is if the seller can't close, can't or won't close. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I've, I've done that. And and I've got, I've got some students that that's all they do because they can, they, they can never personally get their brains around collecting the money in cash. Okay. And so they they actually like it better that way. And that's okay. I don't, you know, I don't understand why you don't want to okay. get paid for your service right away, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. All righty. Thank you very much. Uh, you are very welcome. Let's go to, are we on line three? Is that where we are with Arnetta in Cincinnati? Arnetta, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call, Vina. I wanted to know about the yellow postcard. Okay. Um, I'm probably jumping ahead, but I went to Google and I found, you know, a site that does them. And so I'm just trying to figure out if I should wait to next week or just try to go ahead and jumpstart that now. Okay. So um, can I describe for our radio audience what you're talking about when you say yellow postcard? Because not everybody, not everybody knows what that is. Right. A yellow postcard is a handwritten note that will be sent to potential um, buyers, sellers, sellers. Yes. yes, I'm sorry, potential sellers. Yeah. So the idea is, it, it looks like it was handwritten, and there are people who will produce this for you, which is weird because you know it's like not really handwritten, but it's supposed to look handwritten. And there's a number of providers out there who will do that. I would rather see you do that than not do any marketing. What I would really, really rather see you do is I would like to see you make your own yellow postcards by using who it doesn't have to be your handwriting. It's going to be whoever addresses them is going to do the handwriting. And what you do is you take an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, you fold it into quarters because that's how big the card's going to be. You write on it the message that you want to write. And you got, uh, did you notice that on the, on the um, wholesale school website, there is a copy of one of these? Yes, I have that downloaded. Okay, so that that wording uh, tends to work really well for us. And you just write it out just like that, and then you take it to a local printer, and you have him make 250 of them. And he's going to make 258.5 by 11 sheets, and then he's going to cut it into quarters so you have 1,000 postcards. And then you're going to go ahead and you're just going to go ahead and fill in the name. So, like, dear... Fred, I'm interested in buying your house at 123 Easy Street. That's much less expensive than having the yellow postcard people do it. It actually looks handwritten, which is a big part of the power of that thing. It's not its not the wording. The power is like, oh, somebody wanted this so bad that they 
hand wrote me a postcard, I should maybe call them. So when, when it's not really handwritten, it loses some of that power. So if that's in the cards, if you have somebody who can who can write those for you or if you have time to do it, that's a better solution. But I would rather see you do the yellow postcard than not do anything. I'd rather okay. see you buy okay. one. Okay. All right. Okay. And then you mentioned on the call about the aggregated system. Yes. That you recommend it. And I cannot think of the one that I already selected because I'm in Ohio, like you, Cincinnati. Uh-huh. And um, you referenced a guy that I should call. Is there a discount or something like that? Yes. If you're a REA member in Ohio, uh, there's a there's an organization that I can't actually say on the air, um, but I will... I will hit you up with it later, that uh, offers a discount to RIA members for their uh, comping system. Okay. Okay, so I'll, I'll make sure I get you that information. Okay. I appreciate your call, Arnetta. We are out of time, and unfortunately that means that Pwanda and Dorothy got left on the line. But uh, if you guys want to send me an email at askvina at gmail.com, I will make sure that your question gets answered in an upcoming show. Um, you've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Uh, We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.